Hey, hey, hey. Black Friday. Black Friday. November 2019. And it's uh, early. And uh, 9.15. It says the rain's going to end in about 45 minutes, but it's not even raining now. So I'm taking a chance with Bud because it's not, not really raining. And he probably doesn't want to wait another 45 minutes. So we'll go now. We're going to take a chance. Risk it. No risk it, no biscuit. Yeah. No risk it, no biscuit. Yeah. Buddy's owner, Arizona Schnoodle Walks. The schnoodle has been washed yesterday for Thanksgiving, or two days ago. It's clean, clean for yesterday. Thanksgiving dinner was great. We had Jackson over. The miracle heart surgery is a little dude. I probably don't even realize what a miracle that is. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of stuff, medical stuff becomes routine. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been raining overnight, so it's wet out here in Arizona. And we kind of enjoy it. There's clouds kind of hanging down. Uh, we have these things that sort of, we call them mountains, but if you're in Colorado or the Alps or something, it's... Those aren't really mountains, man. So, and, but, you know, they're maybe only 2,000 feet high, but, or 1,500, maybe even 1,200. But they look like something. And do they really look different than a 12,000 foot mountain? I guess supposedly, but, you know, but anyways, this is what we got. And, uh, 47 degrees. Chilly with that rain. And uh, here we go. It's another walk. What? So what? Well, maybe you need a break in your day. Just kind of can vicariously walk the dog with me. <laughs> and there's no... Today, Friday, what's my... Like my emotional mood gauge? It's not bad. I mean... There's nothing I can do today, really, right? Everybody's either shopping or kind of chilling or ate a lot or recovering. And there's a whole, it's kind of, it's kind of nice when the whole, you feel, you kind of have this feeling that the whole community is chilling out, right? So you don't feel like you have to compete with anybody and do anything special, you know, and just spend time with family. So we have Alma over. Alma was born in 1940 right at the uh, outbreak of World War II, and, uh, which started in September of 39. Yeah, so Oma doesn't talk about it, but basically her mother was, you know, carrying a baby, and it's like, oh, great. Great, we're starting a war. That's great. <laughs> oh, man, perspective. Looking at things a different way, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so so um, I got it. I'm enjoying myself uh, reading. And, uh, oh, a spiritual tidbit, a little bit of a mini sermon, I guess you'd say. So James chapter 1 and 2, um, a lot of it, and, and Martin Luther didn't really like James. He's kind of like wanted to rip it out of the Bible, man, because it talks about justification by works. And then you got the whole Roman Catholics like arguing like if 
there's the sola fide, which is by faith alone. You know, and then the Roman Catholics say, what about James, man? James said, you're justified by your works, your works, right? So it is a kind of a dilemma, but I came up with a, a thought that, you know, maybe the works, you know, what is a work, right? What is a work? Maybe I'll call a podcast, what is a work? Because that's probably the most benefit I can give you today is my thoughts on a complex debate that's gone on for 500 years. And I would say, why do we think, you know, works is like being like Mother Teresa or some other outstanding philanthropist or something? Doesn't it, wouldn't it be attainable, right? And, and think about the time it was written, right? There's written in the 40 AD. There's only the technology was so basic. I mean, stuff was so different then. So a work to James isn't like go overseas and fulfill the great commission and uh, a good work. You got to do good works, man. You got to go reach those unreached people groups, man. You got to do Jack. And some of you guys are doing Jack for Jesus because your works, you know, the works. Yeah, I don't see your works, right? So I'm starting to think, well, hey, you know, maybe a good work is, you know, loving your family and being kind. And uh, and, and those are kind of tough to measure. Like, well, how loving do you have to be and how kind? And it's like, just be a little bit. Who's to say, you know, what? how much of a work you need to do, right? So you can still go with James and go, you know, okay. Yeah, I get it. Good works. But I think the human being, the at least for me, and maybe it's similar for you, is that you hear something like that and you're like, you cringe. You're like, oh well. Or like my dad when he it was even it was even on my dad's death chair, I would say. It wasn't his deathbed because he was sitting in a chair. But he he passed away within eight hours. And the last thing he told me or you know, commented to me, was like, oh, I hope I did enough. I hope I did enough works, right? I hope I Because he, he doesn't, he's confused because no one defines, well, what's what's enough works, right? What's, what's enough works? You know, and I think I would say probably James is saying like, well, just, you know, do good things and i don't know if he's i don't i don't think james is virtue signaling to people but he he goes into a little bit it's got to be attitude and it's also it's not like works um we don't we can this is where the sola spiritu ambulatio comes in is we're walking in the spirit and god will show us what works we're to do and later paul would say you know, we're created in um, Christ Jesus to do good works. So the works, everyone's works are different, right? So I think that's one of the keys. So we're all called here to do something different. But it's also a daily thing, too, just being kind and loving. And people may not observe, you know, our observation of others is way off. And so we... Um, you know, this judgmental us and them. They're not. They're not doing. No, they don't have faith because they're not. They're not doing enough good works. Enough good works. Just like my my dad lived 88 years. 
88 years and even the last hours he was concerned about doing or not. And I, I'm not going to, I love my dad. It was like kind of comfort. I don't know if it was comforting to him. I was like, oh yeah, dad, you did. It's, it's not about doing it. No. It's, it just isn't about that. Right? So, and also, it isn't about the us and them thing about some Baptists said, ah, Roman Catholics are going to hell. You know, it's so, so stupid commentary. And yet, it's like, it's not my dad's fault that all these religious people played all these power broker crap, you know, to, to either manipulate or rule their little flock, you know, making them think like they got to they gotta do enough, right? So it's not my father's fault that that was the people he ended up hanging out with. And... Uh, yeah, so the the gospel's bigger than these organized churches who try to put it in a box for you and tell you this is what it is. And uh, it's kind of sad because they the box people, and and then that's why people you know they keep doing these statistics about how few people are going to churches. And I think people in their gut just know it's like you guys aren't smoking what you're selling, man. It's back to that again. I'm kind of stuck on that. <laughs> you guys are really convinced yourselves that you're, you know, that what you're smoking is the best. But, but if you look at what you're smoking, it says a little something different. So they're not really smoking. Something like that. People can tell authenticity. I guess I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming. So what other interesting things happened this morning? Well. Um, there was a Facebook picture of my brother's family in Boston. They're all on their bicycles. So I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck on this German singer Max Rob and his song Fahrrad Fahren. So I got to send that over to him because it's the joy of riding a bike, right? So what else on Facebook? I saw there's a psychologist who I know and she, she posts, you know, these little sayings, quite a few sayings. And I usually, I mean, I like them for the most part. They're pretty good, but I also cringe a little bit on some of them. So like the other one the other day was like narcissists provoke people, uh, Provoke people so that they can blame you, you know, provoke you into saying something so that they can blame you or something like that. And I go, well, I wouldn't just say my <clears throat> my family is full of narcissists, but that's our style of communication is when we say we say crazy stuff just to get people to talk. Right. That's I mean, that's my observation of my my mother and father at the dinner table. When we had guests over or something, <laughs> my mom, I call it, my mom would say something bad shit crazy just to get people talking. And so she's provoking people, right? She does like, you know, it's not because she wants to blame anybody for anything. It's just that she's provoking people into conversation. So, you know, that's my experience. So I think I commented about something. That. 
just because just I think this narcissism thing is like way overblown. And besides, you know, labeling people narcissists, does that help anybody? You know, I get the I get the Henry Cloud boundaries and protecting ourselves from things. But uh, just labeling that there's all these narcissists running around, my response is like, really? I mean, okay, all right. We're, we, we can label that narcissism. Wow. You know, some people just say it's call it being a jerk, right? Do we need a fancy word like narcissism to describe being a jerk? I guess, you know, I guess some people like it, especially if it's at your business, right? So you want to, uh, one psychiatrist, psychologist, Paul Meyer wrote the book many years ago called Don't Let the Jerks get the best of you, right? So jerks is a four, it's a four letter down. Plural is with ass makes it five letters, jerks. Um, dang, my brain was quick with that. I was about to say it's a four letter word, but then I realized my brain was so quick, man. It's like, no, jerks is five letters, man. No, plural, oh yeah, it's a four letter noun, jerk with jerks. <laughs> so they're an example of on the fly thinking broken down for you so what well just amazing how the brain works folks mine works a little different than yours not mine's not better it's just different so uh, yeah paul meyer don't let the jerks get the best of you i still have to process that because i don't i don't fully grasp it but the, the now though the buzz the last couple of years has been narcissists everyone's a narc not everyone but Oh, that guy's a narcissist. That, and I'm like, well, everybody has a bit of narcissism. In it. So with a Gaussian distribution curve, you know, there's an average person has some level of narcissism. So when does it get to be a problem? You know, right? And uh, unfortunately, yeah, maybe we can make a complex mathematical analysis on this. So the if you have a distribution curve of 7 billion people and you're measuring their levels of narcissism, some people may have a huge amount of narcissism, but it doesn't matter because they don't, they have no influence or impact on people. And then others may have an average amount of narcissism, but everybody knows about them. Like take, for example, a politician, right? So politicians in the news all the time and they get beat up and, there's all people just can't stop talking about the politician, right? And so they may have just above average narcissism, or maybe they have one sigma over to the right, but they may not be the most narcissistic person on the planet, but because they're a politician, they get the crap beat out of them for being a narcissist. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's kind of complex analysis, but it's like, it's, it's not just uh, a one-dimensional measurement of narcissism. It's like, what do they influence? Because a guy could be like a super narcissist, but just be like in the jungles of Africa. It's not like the dudes that like just farm whatever they farm in some remote area. It's not like they're all, they're none of those people are narcissists because... They just, oh, they can't be narcissists because they're just so lovely and stuff, right? 
but they, they may. They may be more narcissistic than a politician. So I think the point is, is like a multiplication factor. It's like your influence, your impact, your visibility, your your whatever it is factor. If you have huge visibility, your characteristics will be exploited for whatever purposes people want to do it for, just because they can point at you, which unfortunately leads to the us and them thing, which is like, we're better than that guy. And somehow that makes us feel better. So there you go. That's my little... And and so that was the narcissistic post. Then there was one this morning about, you know, liars. Like, oh, you know, once once, uh, you lie, then... Um, I can't trust a liar, right? And again, it's a general statement where there was a word for that, a generalization somehow. And immediately I thought like, I thought I heard a statistic somewhere that like everybody's lying like every 10 minutes or something. You know, like everybody's lying. So again, it's like narcissism. It's like, well, what's, the level of the lie what you know like if someone said did you drink chocolate milk and you really drank um uh, white milk you know and you lied about it like the impact of that is could be pretty small i mean it could be significant if it was the last um (laughs) the last drop of white milk that you wanted to put in your coffee you know, so if you lied about drinking, make, using it for chocolate milk, I mean, that has an impact on you. But it's not going to lower your trust in your child if your child lies to you about, hey, did you, you know, use all that milk to make chocolate milk? Oh, no, I didn't do that. You know, you know so are you going to stop trusting your child because they lied to you about the chocolate milk? Probably not. You probably do some if you find out and you want to instruct them. <coughs> you may you probably say, "Hey, that's not a good idea to make a practice of lying <coughs> about stuff." So this is the thing about Facebook: you put up a little statement. It's kind of like Twitter, you know. You put these little phrases up there. There's no discussion about it. So I just said uh, my my response was, uh, hey, uh, pretty much everybody's lying all the time. And I referenced this article, researcher, right? Now, some of you listening probably are like, Michael, that's so stupid. Why do you do that? It's like, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like doing it. I mean, I like, I'm just, it's not like, you know, people say, oh, you're just contrarian. You know? Well, it's, it's that flipping the coin thing. There's so many people that do mindset switches and you got to look at two sides of the coin but i guess a lot of people don't want to look at two sides of the coin so they get they might get pissed off at that but a healthy mindset shift is to go okay well i see that statement but the, the temptation is if you buy into that statement 100 percent and don't say there's no any flip side then you could be real you know you can you really be limiting yourself in your relationships because you'd be like Oh, that guy lied about the chunk of milk, so I can't trust that dude. 
<laughs> so there's more factors to it than purely the definition of what a lie is. And I, I think I made something like perfection can't be the goal, is it? Like never ever lie. And and I and and basically the, the study was interesting. I didn't even read, read it. <laughs> Full confession. I like I find the article, I'll read a first paragraph and go, yep, there it is. Research shows that people lie a lot. And then after I got some pushback from the lady that psychologist that put it up, and she's like, Oh, that's so sad. And that's all she wrote. It's so sad. And then I responded right away, like, well, what do you mean sad? Sad that I commented or sad that there's an article about this? And then she added it later. And she goes, she just added the I disagree. And I'm like, what is she disagreeing about? Research? <laughs> A research study? And, I, and I'm like, I have to back off and let it go because... I don't really know this person real well. Sort of do. She probably knows me better. <laughs> you know, how a psych, you know, dealing with a psychologist is a bit dangerous because they they're fairly confident that they know you so well, right? That's what they do all day is try to get to know people, understand them, and blah blah blah, right? So her, she's motivated to think that she knows people real well, but. Uh, how often do we get one piece of information and then extrapolate that into all other kind of conclusions that aren't valid? So it's a trick. I, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm just sharing as I walk Bud here, life experiences that you know you may come across and it's that mindset shift of flipping the coin, looking at both sides of the coin. And uh, so I'm kind of curious what she actually means if she disagrees with the research. <laughs> I mean, that I'm, that's pretty bold, right? Like, here's a research study. I, then I had to go back and read the whole article again, which wasn't that long. But, um, it just said that they video they they had three groups of people. It was a college study, and they said people were going to, you know, meet people for the first time, spend ten minutes, and you know they videotaped them. And they didn't tell them they were videotaping them, but, you know, they had to tell them afterwards. They go like, hey, you know, we, we by the way, we did videotape you and we want to do a study about lying. And, uh, and the subjects were very kind of basic. Right? They were like intense fact, you know, finding missions or anything. But, um, you know, the article goes on. It's like, wow, people were surprised. And how often they lie. They watched the videotape and they were asked to like point out things like where they might have lied. Like one of the minor examples, like somebody they were talking they just meet this person, they're having a conversation, and they're like, Oh, Bruce Springsteen, you know, comes up in conversation. Some popular figure, and the person the one person says, Yeah, yeah, I really like Bruce Springsteen. And the other person that's in the study is like, Oh yeah, I like him too. But then on the videotape, they're like, Well, Actually, I don't like them, but I just said I like them to go along with the person because that's kind of a nice way of building rapport. And, uh, hey, bud, there's water down there. I don't think we're going to be able to go. I don't want to walk through the water, bud. I don't think you want to either. Let's... Want to do it, bud? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I can see the water, but I don't know. Are you really going to sure you want to do this, bud?
So anyways, the article talks about the, um, uh, the results, which is people lied quite a bit. And, you know, these are liking a musician or not, or liking a movie or not, and saying you do, is like, is that how, how damaging is that? Is the impact of that? And, uh, and I think maybe that's what the psychologist said. There's like, even though it's a pithy little saying about you know, lying and not being able to trust someone, you know, I guess I'm diminishing what she meant, what the phrase means, because there are some things that are really important that we shouldn't lie about, um, probably. And so most of you probably get it. But me being me, I'm like, um, let's love everyone. No one's perfect. And uh, just understand that people may lie to us. And that's okay. I mean, we may be hurt by someone's lies. But uh, we probably expend a lot of energy in being upset <clears throat> that someone's lie. And so my framing it is to say, well... Yeah, everybody's could probably lie a little bit. I mean, I can't even remember when I lied, but I probably did. I don't know. Maybe even maybe I even lied in this podcast already. I don't know. And, and it's maybe just a level of transparency. You know, if we're in public or doing a podcast with seven billion people on the planet. <laughs> and uh you know, maybe I'm not as transparent as I should be. So maybe I'm just lying. That's that. Now you're starting to, now we're really analyzing the crap out of it. But I think you get the point. So I let it go. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny to say I disagree with a research article, but, you know, she probably popped up that little phrase for who knows why. You know, maybe to encourage somebody that was hurt by some important lies, right? More significant lies than whether you drank chocolate milk. So she probably, I mean, people are hurt. We're hurt by lies, right? And, uh, yeah, but it's, it's okay. And it's not okay, okay, but um, is it, is it, is it, to me, it's like the only healing is to move on. And, and it's just the human condition. So what helps me, maybe it doesn't help other people, but what helps me is to say, yeah, yeah, people lie. And it hurts a lot of times, depending on what the lie is, right? And and I've lived with that. Like there was one guy who worked for a company that basically the president of the company was lying to me. You know, he wouldn't say, he would probably deny it. And... Uh, and, and now I have my doubts if he was kind of lying to me or if he was just dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, what's better? That he's, you know, I start out with the assumption that this guy's got to be pretty clever. And I'm thinking if he's clever, then he's lying to me. But maybe he's just not that clever, right? So either way, I got to let it go, right? You know, just let it go. 
and not got hung up on it. I got to move on. And so I don't know what the point of the, I don't know, I just, I'm contrary. I mean, that's what I am. I look at it from the flip the side all the time. It's like, what, you know, yeah, people lie. Is that, are we going to lose all trust in mankind? I guess it's just the verified thing. And it depends on relation to relationship. So a little pithy saying is really complex. It's like, how are you applying it? You know, the person that posts it has an idea of the situation they're posting it for. But I, you know, reader, we have no idea. And that's one of the issues probably with social, quote-unquote, social media. When I say social media, I'm just referring to all these little programs we have to, like, throw up comments. So, other, you know, anybody in the world can see them. I, I don't know why we do why we, why we feel compelled to do it. And in a weird way, this podcast is simply a verbal tweet that goes on for 50 minutes, right? Because you can't really respond to it. And, it. and it technically is as available as any tweet is out there. So, I mean, uh, many years ago, I thought, I thought Twitter was kind of interesting, but I thought somebody should invent Squeaker. I just came up with a name called Squeaker. And that way people could do 30-second voice recordings. And uh, that would be like the Twitter. Because yeah. like that, and, and it and also has a little bit of more communication capability. And, uh, you know, you could record your little... 30 second thing in there, which is actually probably a really good idea now because there's so much misunderstanding in, in, uh, in communication. And, uh, so squeaker. Yeah. So you listeners out there, if you want to invent a new app called squeaker, um, I think it's kind of cool. I don't know if, see, I, I have the idea in my head for squeaker. And, and yet, I don't have a way to implement it. So, if you, you know, now that I talk about it, I'm thinking, it actually is not a bad idea. Squeaker. You got 30 seconds to, like, make a comment. Maybe you short it down to 20. 22 seconds to record something. Because that's what Twitter is kind of like. And, uh, and it probably would knock off a lot of the shenanigans. Um, I mean, I like, I kind of get a kick out of Twitter for me is being trying to be clever with my words. I like words, but not everybody on Twitter likes words, right? So you, you try to, or Facebook, you know. So, I mean, Facebook has the videos, but usually they're, people are not, if you do squeaker, squeaker's all voice and it's 22 seconds or something. And uh, I just picked 22 because it sounds kind of fun. <laughs> 22 seconds. Squeaker. Squeak. And, uh, and, it, and it will, it'll kind of, I think it would actually improve the tweeting world. Because Twitter, Twitter has gotten really nasty, I guess. It's just a, an argument after an argument. But if you actually put voice to the arguments, then people will probably would be like, have to listen to themselves because you can write a lot of stuff and not really understand how it comes across 
But if you now you start speaking it, what you're thinking, and you listen to it later, you know, if someone challenges you on what you say, and uh, it takes an element of the anonymity out of it. So I kind of couldn't be Wu Chang anymore. But it might help Roseanne Barr not lose her television program. Not that I miss the program. I'm just saying a, uh, a little tweet has a huge impact. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't impact me that way. But, uh, yeah, philosophy of tw- Twitter. Squeaker. There it is. Squeaks. Squeaker. Just record. I think the technology is there now because everyone's iPhones, Android. Just go on to Squeaker. And I guess you could tag some. Um, the, the thing is, Twitter, people use Twitter. A lot of people do for self-promotion. And now they're using LinkedIn more and more for self-promotion. And maybe everything is just self-promotion. Like this podcast, this podcast, self-promotion. I'm developing my brand, my brand, yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, I noticed something, uh, this, uh, I've been talking about build a story brand. So I discovered something um, in the middle of the night, as you do. Um, there's another guy that's been doing it longer than Donald Miller, I think. And uh, it's kind of interesting because I think they share a lot of similarities in concepts. But, uh, you know, Donald Miller's probably got a better marketing um, program. So I have a feeling that Don Miller has probably got it cornered. But I'm not sure he's done it as long as the other guy. So I'm going to, and not that it's matter. So what does it tell me? It's like, well, two people can own, like, I don't know if it's own it, but two people can utilize a similar principle, concept, and go with it. They don't have to, they don't have to, like, criticize the other guy and say, well, he doesn't quite have the, story brand exactly right. I mean, he calls his uh, story brand with a space between the Y and the B, and I call mine the story brand as one word. You know, it's the same concept, right? Same framework, right? They have very similar frameworks. So it'll be interesting when I have some time to just kind of look at them and compare them. But what's the takeaway on that? The takeaway to me is like, well, is it competition? Uh, I guess so. But it's encouraging to, uh, I, I don't know, uh, I wouldn't say, I'm not sure. Maybe who, did Donald, Donald Miller copy the other guy? Or did Donald Miller just take that idea and said, hey man, we got to really, that's a great idea, this story branding. So we got to really, you know, push it in this direction, right? So, 
that's what they've done. So that's the first time I've seen two fairly powerful groups. I, th I just think one is probably more well-known than the other guy. In fact, I'd have to look it up. That's why I don't have the guy's name. I know Donald Miller's name, and I know his book. The other guy's selling a, it's not quite a course, right? Like he's selling an $89 uh, interactive um, instruction, which could be branded a course, right? But he didn't brand it that way. But it's 89 bucks, so I don't think I'm going to jump on that. I wanted to get a free something to get the framework for free and look at it. But I think I'll poke around. I don't have time right now. I got to walk, buddy, right? Who's got time for all this stuff? <laughs> we got to walk, bud, man. And it started to drizzle a little bit, but we're almost home. Bud, do you want to go through here? Sure. Are you sure you want to go through here? All right. Bud gets his way. So the, the, the so what is kind of whatever your entrepreneurial thing you're doing. You know, yeah, you probably have competition. You probably have um, other people doing similar stuff in your lane, so to speak. But um, this latest guy on the story brand is talking about how you got to own it, right? So I don't know, maybe Donald Miller talks about the same thing too, but this other guy, I think I'm resonating more with because he's talking about owning it, owning your story, which I'm resonating with because I think I need to do that more than I am. And if I truly own it and I incorporate some of Rob Bell's thing that you're the medium, like I'm the medium, you're the hero, you're the medium. Well, let me give a shout out. I don't know. Hopefully she's listening. But, uh, you know, she did a um, five minute pitch to her entrepreneur group. And I resonated. I let her know that the thing that caught me right at the beginning was for me, I mean, this is their audience's change, right? Your audience uh, may change your message a bit. Cause I'm not, I'm not sitting in that audience as a person that's got this business I'm trying to build and trying to use these tools and learn from my fellow workers that are also using the same tools. So I'm not listening to the pitch or the talk or the presentation from that point of view. I'm just listening to, to it as a person that is interested in what this person's doing to build their business. So right out of the gate, she told a story. It's kind of story branding too, is about how she started out in publishing world. And there was a pile of manuscripts or people had written. So this is the old way of writing books. And she was sad about, she thought she found one in, the, in the, like a needle in the haystack and brought it to the seasoned professional editor. And although that story resonated with her, it didn't meet the criteria of the publishing company. So boom, nope. Not going to publish that. 
and boy, does that does that not hurt you? Like whatever your story is, your your uh, message, your life experience, to just have it pitched by an editor of a book, you know, big book publishing company, because that's the way. That's the only outlet we've had for years. So now we. Uh, we, we can she can help build people's dreams because she she feels the pain of the what people must feel is that they have a good idea that resonates with people at least some people it doesn't have to resonate with everybody but she she expressed that right away in a very short story so that's where the audience I kind of I don't know if this meant much to her because it's just a text message again, but it's kind of like, well, her audience are people that are really quote unquote dialed into what they're doing, right? There, there's very few people. That audience was a rare, rare audience of people that are focused on their business. So yeah, they're listening to you. They're like, yeah, how does that relate to my business? Yeah, I see how you're using the the methodology we all follow and the the things we're doing, you know, so that's the audience is different than the public audience. So I just gave her feedback that it was great. And I think she should stick with that. My recommendation, whatever, for whatever it's worth, because it really resonated with me to hear about that motivation that she has coming from the pain of, seeing people's you know pouring in like and this is a writing thing too right it's like dang i mean you if you haven't tried to write a book before you know you probably thought about it but you need a coach someone to get you started she got me started and i wrote seventy thousand words that's plenty for a book and uh you know i gotta i'm working on it now to get it better, get it right, make it more transformational for the reader, not just my rants, right? So um, there was that part. And then the close, I thought her closing commentary resonated with me about joining her efforts into changing the world because of this new technology we have. So I think she's pretty cool. She's cool. Like, she, I think she was a little disappointed, like maybe she didn't win the competition of five people doing similar businesses. But unfortunately, we get distracted by numbers because we don't we don't fully understand the impacts of stuff we do. And so, if you you know, the, the simplest thing is to put a dollar value on something. You know, oh, you know, put a dollar on it. And then people feel like, oh, I don't really understand this, but really, it had a hundred thousand dollar, a million, a billion dollar impact. And it's like the numbers, we get distracted by the numbers, especially the dollar numbers. And so not I mean, this this person's been working really hard. Not not it's not really hard, hard, but she's committing time and and had mental energy and pouring her emotions into helping people write books, you know, and 
it's a, it's not just sitting behind a computer screen and flipping some special event, right? So I don't know. It's good. That's good. I don't know what to say. My comment is keep going. Um, we are huge critics of ourselves, right? Super, super inner critics are strong. And, uh, yeah, it's tough to get over that inner critic, but, you know, there's some really good that came out of that message for me. And, uh, I just wanted to provide that feedback. And, uh, Again, I mean, again, it's you look at the numbers, like not dollar numbers now, now I'm thinking of people numbers. And, uh, you know, not everyone's going to see it. Not everyone's going to see that. I call it like a holy calling that person has to um, recognize all this. yearning to impact positively other people and the best way to do it is to write it out in the book because if you can write it I, I mean i've noticed with speaking i can i don't always i try to get too much in maybe in a short period of time or something but by writing and organized it is a monologue it's not a dialogue necessarily but it's like getting all my ideas out so so quickly in conversation, people can cut you off because you may trigger something and that they don't want to deal with. But if you write it down in a book, I'm thinking about like the time element. It might take four hours to read a book. Well, would I be willing to spend even four? I don't think I would be willing to spend four hours straight listening to Scott Adams, who's super smart. Um, I'd rather just have his book, right? Because then I can read a chapter here for 15 minutes and then pick it up again later. And yet I get the whole message, you know, in four hours, but it's spread out over time. And we want transformational stuff too, don't we? And uh, meaning, being a hero. You've got some heroic things to do. And I'm commenting on the, uh, hey, bye, 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 the micro, micro heroism, I guess we call it. And uh, I'm home now. It's just starting to rain again. But that was, uh, I enjoyed that walk. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I forgot already what I was going to call this thing. <laughs> Grace, mercy, and peace to you. And uh, good works, I think we're calling this thing. All right. Enjoy your good works, your micro generosity. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to start a company called Squeaker, um, I believe in it for whatever it's worth. So squeak away. All right. Bye-bye.